0: All right. Hey, good morning. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Show of hands. Okay, good, good. Christmas is, it's an amazing time of expectation, right? And anticipation. I I can still, I don't know what it is, I can still, even at 46, I can remember eight, nine, ten years old, I can remember Christmas Eve nights, uh, nights that felt like they were way longer, like those stories where God stops the sun. Like It felt like it was Christmas Eve night, right? When you're a kid, I can remember those nights, and I was so amped up. I don't know if it was too many sugar cookies or what it was, but just that expectation, and finally, you know, that release. You know, release the hounds, and all the kids, you know, you run down the stairs to everything that's going on. Uh, I, I mean, I just remember that anticipation and, ex, uh, and expectation. Uh, we do that uh, I, as we would do that with our kids. I would wake them up with a leaf blower. I'd come in the room and, and just kind of like, it's time. Let's go. You know, like, it's, and it, so there, there's something about that. I, I, I know uh, friends uh, who really look forward to this time of year. Their, their anticipation is Christmas bonus. I really I, I think my boss is going to give me a bonus and I can see we have these conversations they don't know it 's kind of almost like Clark Griswold kind of territory they 're kind of dreaming of the, the the new pool or whatever it is but they think maybe there's a bonus coming at the end of the year uh, I, I you know it's funny as a pastor I get excited now about christmas Eve I'm, I, it's like it' 's super monumental like we have over a thousand people show up over those couple of days um, it's huge but I start thinking about all these people I get a, a chance to share Jesus with and so i 'm like counting Down to Christmas Eve, like every day it's like one more day closer to Christmas Eve, getting excited for that. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Here's where I'm filled with the most anticipation at waiting for the arrival of something is my son comes home for a month. I'm like super excited. He lives in Chicago and it didn't look like we were going to be able to bring him home for Thanksgiving, but, uh, I, I, I told my, I, we weren't going to, but I, I, my wife said, no, we can't do it. We can't afford it. I'm like, a couple of days before, I'm like, Andrew, will you come home? And so I'm like, don't tell your mom. You're coming home. I'm saying I'm bringing you home. I can't take it. Like, yeah, to come. So he came home. My wife didn't know. She went away for to get Thanksgiving ready at our father, my father-in-law's house. And so it was just me and my my son who had come home. It's like ten o'clock at night, and he comes home from the airport. He comes in my room. He's like sitting on the bed with me, and we're talking. He starts telling. I mean, we were we were just short of braiding hair from turning this into like a a glorious slumber party. It was awesome. We were sitting up. I'm like, tell me more. Oh, my gosh. She likes you? That's so fun. Like, I mean, it was incredible. So I'm just, I I was just totally taken. uh, I was just in heaven on that, on that, on those days. And and, and in some ways, you start to realize that one of the great things about Christmas is this, is that it's about coming home. At Christmas, reminds us that God is calling us home. He's calling us home to Himself. He's inviting us to make our heart a home for Him. That He wants our life and His life to be together. That we are meant to be in relationship with Him. You know, we just uh, concluded a series where we were thinking about identity, and it's important because identity precedes behavior. Uh, who you think you are, to whom you think you belong to has a huge effect on how you live out your life. And so thinking through those things, it was so important, but it's so important for us to recognize that, 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 that you are meant to be a child of God. You are meant to be in relationship with God. You belong to him. You're made for him. And He and as we're going to see in the Christmas story, he has done everything possible to draw you to himself, to say, come, be at home with me at Christmas. Listen for the still small voice of God whispering to you over and over again, come Home, And so I want to give you a big idea, something we want to look at today, because it's so important that we set and frame Christmas through uh, the manger. I'm going to invite us to come as we look at the Christmas story. We're going to come and invite you to kind of imagine what it'd be like to stand to be like the shepherds and be invited to stand over the manger. Uh, you hear the word manger a lot. Just so you know, a manger is a feeding trough. It's what you, you would feed an animal with. And so uh, the shepherds were c- told to go and to see this baby lying in a manger. And so I want to invite us this morning to, just like the shepherds, to be drawn to the manger, to stand, to gaze into this, this kind of makeshift crib and to wonder... At what it is that God is up to. To see not only what he's up to. But to recognize what that means for our hearts and lives. So here's an idea. I want to I frame uh, the whole day through. And it's this. It's that you would understand that Jesus has come. He came to make a way home for us. Jesus came to make a way home for us. That is our big idea today. As we look at it. And so uh, let me d- invite you to do this. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 to 20. It's the Christmas story as Luke has it. Luke 2, 1 to 20. We read these words. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor over Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to a firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I I have bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him there, they'd gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so we're inviting you to come around the manger to recognize that Jesus has made a way home for us. And so I want you to see two things as we look at the story. There's so many things to see, but let me just invite you to, to consider two things as we uh, begin this Christmas season. The first is this, is that when we, when we gather around the manger, when we, we gaze in to this, this uh, little makeshift crib, what we see is it's, it is God that is taking the initiative to bring us home. God takes the initiative to bring us home. Now, the, notice the Christmas story takes place around a manger in Bethlehem. Now, the, you, you hear at Christmas this word advent. And the word advent means coming or arrival. It's the expectation of someone to come. And, and, and you have to think about, you have to enter into the story. And remember, if you're part of the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, you're waiting for a savior. You're waiting for, God has promised you a savior will come. And as you're thinking about when, when will this savior come? We've been promised that the world has gotten darker for you. The, the Romans have come in to, to Jerusalem. They have occupied your territory. They have taken over Israel in this in this sense. And so everything in essence says to you that that promise it has been forgotten. That, that God has forgotten you. And I, I, I recognize maybe there are some of you even here today who feel that way. You feel like God has forgotten you. You feel like, like this, these promises that everyone else holds on to. Don't apply to you. It had been 400 years for them since a prophetic voice had spoken to their lives and a prophet, you can imagine what it must have been like to be in that time. And yet, as we enter into the Christmas story, what we see is God has not forgotten his people and God is keeping his promise. In fact, he's even gonna keep the detailed promises, not just a grand promise, but even the details of the promise, such as the child will be born in Bethlehem. Now, this is significant because for Mary and Joseph, they live 80 miles away. They live in Galilee. They live in this little town called Nazareth. And so how are you going to get a a couple who lives 80 miles away, who are pregnant, uh, into this this place so that the promise can be fulfilled? Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, You, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And so the prophecy was, out of Bethlehem, the Savior will be born. So how is this going to happen? Well, this is great, because what we see is that God, even if he has to use an evil empire, God is going to accomplish his will, and God is going to keep his promise, and God will even use an evil empire to keep his promises. I don't know how it is for you. Maybe you could sit there and think about this. Could it be that the things that are frustrating me the most right now are the very things God is using to bring about the things that he wants in my life? I mean, imagine what it would be like to be married. You're nine months pregnant. You're going to have to now uh, travel by foot, by donkey, 80 miles, just so you can fill out some tax forms. Okay? I can think of some better things to do if you're, if you're a pregnant couple, right? And this is what they have to do. But isn't it interesting the unique way in which God is working in those conditions and in those circumstances? Maybe, maybe in your difficult circumstances and your frustrating circumstances, God is at work. You don't see it quite yet, but he's bringing about a promise of something he wants to do in your life. And in fact, what I love about Christmas is we have the, we have the, the, the privilege of both looking back and seeing promises delivered and so Christmas is a time of hope because we also look forward and we expect every promise that God has made to us to still be kept and still be fulfilled. And so what we see as we look in, in at the, uh, the manger is this, as we lean into the manger, we look at the child and we say, it's always God. It's always God who's making the, the first initiative. It's always God who's making the first move. It's always God who's, who's working to bring us to himself. It's always God who is working first to bring us home. Think about the first four words of the Bible. The Bible begins with these four words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Now that's not just a nice way to start like once upon a time. It really is the story of your whole life with God. Because in the beginning, God came to you. In the beginning, God called to you. In the beginning, God reached out to you. You you were never first reaching out to him. He's always been first reaching to you, calling to you, drawing you to himself, saying to you, whispering to you, come home to me. In the beginning, God is the story of our life with God. He's always first. He's always taking the initiative, calling us to himself, calling us home, calling us to the life that he has for us. And so when we look in the manger, what we see is we are reminded in the beginning, God, you are always working on my behalf. I love the way that one uh, scholar, John Stott, says it this way. He says, many people imagine God sitting comfortably on a distant throne, remote, aloof, uninterested, a God who doesn't really care for our needs, He has to be badgered into taking action on our behalf. Such a view is completely wrong. The Bible reveals a God who long before it ever occurs to men and women to turn to him, While they are still lost in darkness and sunk in sin, takes the initiative, rises from his throne, lays aside his glory, and stoops to seek until he finds them. This is who our God is. And when we gather around the manger in Bethlehem, we are reminded that God is the one who is taking the initiative to bring us home to himself. But the second thing I want you to see is this, is that when we stare into this manger, not only do we see God taking the initiative, but we realize to what great price he's about to pay. God pays the ultimate price to bring us home. God is paying the ultimate price to bring us home. See, when Jesus entered into the world, this was no ordinary child. In fact, the, the heavens erupted in, in song and in chorus and a declaration is made that the promised savior has come. Notice the words, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Remember what the angel said. If you think of the Christmas story, remember in the Christmas story, the angel comes to Joseph and Joseph has to get on board with all, this, all that is happening. And in this story, what we see is the angel says this to Joseph, she will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people From their sins. Now it was in the culture. and the custom of the time. The father uh, would name the child. And it's interesting. In the Christmas story. We see both with with, uh, Jesus and John the Baptist. uh, The names are given from heaven above. And this child will be named Jesus. Or Joshua in Hebrew. It it means the Lord saves. This is his name. Because this is who he is. This is why he's come. He's come to be the rescuer. The savior of the world. And to save us to rescue us, ultimately meant this, that Jesus was born to die. He was coming to give his life for ours. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. We look into the manger and we see the king of glory who, who, who was rich, in glory, and he's, he's now humbled himself, laid all that aside to pay the ultimate price. See, when Jesus is coming, see, Jesus himself knew his mission. You listen to him speak, and he'll say things like, I've come to seek and save the lost, I, I've come for the needy, I, I've come so that uh, not to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. And see, to, to redeem, to rescue, to, to pay a ransom, there, there's a price involved. There's always a price involved. And so if you're going to redeem something, it means you're going to buy something back. It means you're going uh, you're you're to pay a price for it. If, 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 when we see redemption in the Bible, you're either purchasing something or freeing someone. And, and, and no matter what, there's a price that must be paid. And the price that has to be paid to redeem uh, we see in Ephesians chapter one, we saw this a few weeks ago, the price as Jesus came into the world was his own life. Ephesians one says, in him, we have redemption. We've been redeemed. What, how? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. God's grace, his love, his mercy, his kindness at work on your behalf. For what? To rescue you to redeem you, to, to buy you back, to free you and make you his own, to bring you home. And in these things, we see the, the great price that has been paid. And, and, and what it does is it creates this bond that, that the, the rescuer and the rescuee, there's a bond that takes place when we recognize what has taken place, what God would do to bring us home, what he would do to make us his people. So I want to invite you to think about something today. How can you find your way home to him? How can you find your way home to him today? And and I recognize we're all kind of somewhere in this. You might feel very close to God. You may feel very far off. You may be someone who's been in relationship for a long time with God, but you just feel for whatever reason, I don't feel that intimacy like I should. And I want to invite you to think, how is it that I can find my way home? What is it that he's doing to to, the initiative he's making to draw me to himself? I know some of you feel like there's just there's just no way. You have no idea, Bill, what I've done, whether it's guilt or shame, whether you think it's just I'm just way too far. I'm like in a distant country. There's no way for me to find my way home. I just want to remind you of the words that the angels speak in this moment. The angel says in verse 10, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. All the people. It is a message of hope for all of us. Verse 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. See, that word favor means that you are one who brings him delight. You bring him pleasure. You're the object of his love. So why is he moved towards you? Why has he paid such a price? Because you, he delights in you. And he's calling you home for that very reason. And so as we begin to see this, I, I, I want you to understand something. It is much easier to take a step towards home when you realize that he is in motion towards you as well. So don't be afraid. In fact, Jesus himself said this. He said, look, I've come. I've come so that you could find your way back home. He said this at the very end of his ministry. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And if that were not so, what would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He said, you know the the way to the place where I'm going. They said, Jesus, we don't know the way. And then he said this, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. See, Jesus knew very clearly what what the hope of, of heaven was, that you would find your home. You were meant to be at home with God. And so he left his throne. He took off his crown. He entered into this world. He, he, he was, there was no room for him. Out in a barn or a cave or a, a stable, the very king of glory was laid in a feeding trough. And he lived that life. He, he would save him of his own life. Look, I, I don't even have a place to lay my head at night but he would live that life and then he would give his life and death. Why? To bring you home, to bring you back to him so that you could know him and you could uh, find your your life, your home in him. I I love the way that uh, Rose Kennedy, she was the mother of of, uh, JFK, our 35th president. She describes it in her own life this way. She was talking about, she was at a a fundraising uh, benefit uh, for special needs kids. And she was saying that uh, her life was going it was just filled with bliss until their third child came, uh, a daughter named Rosie, and Rosie had special needs. And when and in that time when that happened, and uh, they didn't quite understand everything that was going on, they they put Rosie in an institution. Or she said her husband, uh, that there was this great dissension. He blamed her for for Rosie's condition, and they they became estranged. They grew apart. She said she turned to pills and to. To alcohol and all kinds of things just to try to soothe the pain that she felt in life, the disappointment in life. And as she describes this, she was, she was sitting at this benefit and she was talking to some, the person next, she leaned over the person next to her and she asked, she says, hey, are you one of those born again people? And the person laughed and said, yeah, I am. And she goes, you know what? I am too. And she began to describe this, this life that she had lived and this, this situation she was in. And she said, you know, in that time, when I was in my darkest place, she said, I, I just would, I, I feel, felt like nobody cared about me. And she said, one day I lashed out at one of my housekeepers. And the housekeeper said this to me very gently. She said, Mrs. Kennedy, you will never be happy until you make out of your heart a manger for Jesus to be born. And she said, I I went through that day as usual, my drinks, my pills, finally I fell asleep. She said, but at 3 a.m. I woke up and I began to weep. And then it was uncontrollable sobbing. She said, finally, I felt this presence of the living God with me. I got out of bed, she said, my mind was clear. I knelt down on these old Roman Catholic knees, she said, and I prayed, oh Lord, make out of my heart a manger for Jesus to be born. And she says, and God did that. She says, I invited Jesus into my heart that day. And she says, since that night, I have never been the same. Christmas, the manger is a reminder that your heart is to be a home For God, That you are meant to be in relationship with God. You're meant to know him. And and when you look at the manger, you see to what cost, to what extent God would go to, to draw you to himself. Jesus came to make a way home for us. And he invites us to make our heart a home for him. In fact, in Ephesians 3, we see that uh, he says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. That's what you saw up here. The testimonies of people who are putting their faith, their trust in him. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. I love the way the prophet Jeremiah says it. He says, there will come a time you will will call on me and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I know some of you feel like you're far off, but this Christmas, can I invite you to something? Can I invite you to the simple, simple prayer of just saying, okay, Lord, I'll take that wager. You want to show me you're real. You want to show me that you want to be in relationship with me, that I'm in on that. I'll give you permission to show me what you want to show me. This morning as we begin this Christmas season, perhaps what some of you need to simply pray is this. God, I want to come home. I feel far away. But thank you for making a way for me. I want my heart to be a manger for you to dwell in. And this morning it can be like that. Well, I want to challenge you, church, because this is a special season in, in our culture And I want you to know that this is a time, much as we heard in story after story up here, that this is a time for us to make a difference in the lives of people. And I want to ask you to consider the unique way in which God in these next days may use you to help others find their way home to God. So let me ask you, how can you help others find their way home to God this season? I don't want you to miss something. I don't want you to miss that Christmas is about Jesus being at the very center. And some of you may feel six days in. I've already lost it. Like Christmas is already a blur. It's already overtaken me. I've already overwhelmed. Hey, there's time to redeem it. We're only six days in. Maybe you haven't even started yet. And you're hoping not to start for a while. But let me just encourage you this. To keep Christ at the very center of your Christmas this year. Why? So that your friends and your family and the people around you can be blessed by your life. I, I don't know about you. It's, it's so interesting to me. We'll set up the nativity in our home. And as we set it up, I, I, notice this. All the pieces lean in. They all lean into the manger. Every piece. In fact, when the kids are done playing with it, it's kind of funny because you have pieces of people just kind of standing leaning into nothingness. And then you're like, it just looks so awkward. But watch, when that, for the nativity to work right, it's every piece leaning in, in bowing and in worship, that Christ is in the center. And really it speaks to us of what Christmas should be, that our whole life leans into the manger, it leans into Christ and I want to encourage you for that this, uh, this season. I know some of you are, are about to, to open up your own bakery and, and, and chocolate factory in your home. And it starts off with tons of joy and excitement and then turns into regret. And you hate the very people that you began to serve. Can I just encourage you? Can I just encourage you that rather than just doing this and kind of getting your duty done. That instead lean into the manger as you begin to bake and make and do all these things that you do. Pray for those people. Think about how you might invite some of those people uh, to, to a Sunday or to Christmas Eve. Lean into Christ. Think of it differently about how you as a family will celebrate and the gifts that you'll give and the, the way that you'll approach, it, pr- approach this whole time. Think about Think about being a shepherd. What if we were like shepherds this Christmas? Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said. See, this is how most of us hear about the love of God. It's through shepherds. I know you would all love the heavens to open up and have the angels appear and, and that's how it happens. But you, it, it's through shepherds, right? It's very normal, ordinary people. In fact, shepherds in their day, they were beyond, kind of under ordinary. Uh, marginalized, their testimony wasn't worth anything in court. These are probably some, you know, minimum wage young kids who got the night shift. And I love it because the Bible doesn't try to pretend it was anything but that. If it wanted to be a fancy story or myth, it would, it would have blown it up. It would be way more elaborate, way better than shepherds. You don't make shepherds your, your witnesses of this. But the Bible says, I, I don't care what you think. I'm just telling you how it, how it happened. This is what happened. And the shepherds, these people go out and they share it and notice the, the amazement of people. I, I, how did you hear about God? I heard from a 14-year-old kid. You heard story after story of our 8 to 15s at work. I want to encourage you. Again, Christmas Eve services, Wednesday and Thursday, 4 and 6.30. Isn't this something worth sharing? I mean, when you lean into the manger and you see what God's doing, the initiative he's taken, the price he's paid, don't you say this is something worth sharing with people? And these shepherds, these marginalized people in that society, they went out, they couldn't help themselves, went out and had to share the story. And so I want us to pray that this season would be different for us. It would be different in our own experience with God. And it would be different in our ministry to other people. And so let's bow together. Let me invite you to just a a moment of prayer. It might be helpful just to to begin to think as you kind of, your attention, as you kind of lean into the manger, as you're drawn into it. As you think about the Christ coming into this world, Jesus coming into the world, the King, and he's laying here in this manger. you heard testimonies even a moment ago. It doesn't mean that you figure it all out. It doesn't mean that you get it all right first. It doesn't mean it's that you solve every problem in your life. The invitation has always been this: turn back to God believe, trust, have faith, come home. And in the quiet of this moment, you may feel like there's no way, God, I can imagine you taking me back. But maybe even in the quiet of this moment, you would be willing to pray similar to what Rose Kennedy prayed, that you would simply pray these words. You just say, Lord, make my heart a manger in which Jesus could be born. And if that's your heart, that's your prayer, just simply tell him that. Remember what he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And take a moment too to pray. Pray for those that you want to pray that they would find their way home. Those who you could envision being baptized Friends and family whose lives would would be found where they would find their way home back to God. Take a moment and pray and pray that this would be a special season of ministry for you. Pray that God would use you like a shepherd. Let's take a moment, let's pray, and then uh, we'll sing together.